We get it. Attention spans just aren't what they used to be. Heads in social media and eyes on Netflix. But what do people do with their ears? Well, for one, they're listening to audio. Americans spend 4.4 hours with audio every day. Oh, and you want the proof? Well, you just sat through this ad that's now approaching 30 seconds. What could you say to a potential customer in 30 seconds? Let Odyssey put together a media plan tailor-made for your unique marketing needs. Advertise with Odyssey. Visit ads.odyssey.com. This is Sports Daily on Wichita's number one sports radio, 97.5 and 1240 KFH. Welcome in, everybody, to another edition of Sports Daily on a Wednesday here as we get you ready for the weekend. We begin to look ahead. We'll look back at a huge college basketball game last night. Just a blast. Uh, if you stayed up late with it, Kansas beats Duke 69-64. to We'll get into that throughout the show today. We'll look ahead to KU football as well. We'll have the voice of the Jayhawks, Brian Haney, on with us next segment to talk about both of those things as we get ready to look ahead. K-State football makes an announcement under center on Tuesday. We'll get into the decision-making there as Will Howard is going to be the guy. Uh, We've got Chiefs to look ahead to. All kinds of good stuff this week. We welcome in Chad Chambers producing for us and Tommy Castor. Tommy, good morning. Hey, good morning. A little tired this morning. Stayed up late to watch the Kansas Duke game. You got your wish, though. You were hoping for, like, a super late start after Michigan State and Kentucky went into double overtime and they did the college football show. Uh, yeah, it was a late start last night, um, but yeah, stayed up, watched it. It was a great game, high-level basketball. Looking forward to talking about it. Yeah, it's uh, it, it was it lived up to it, I thought. Um, I thought both teams were tested. I thought both teams looked good at different times. I really um, enjoyed that game. I think it was a little bit more physical probably than... Uh, we expected, certainly Jay Billis pointed that out a few times down the stretch, just how physical this game was. Um, and that's, I think, perfect for what KU needed to see because we didn't, we don't know that or we didn't know that about KU. And our biggest question, and it's a very valid question, is how big and physical can they be? And when they play a team like Duke, who will provide more size than any team in the country this year with the what do they have three seven footers? Two of them are really good, and they're good. You know, Mark Mitchell has got a lot of length at his position as the superstar freshman. They just got a lot of size, and they offer that up. Uh, KU handled it, and they handled it fine. And they and they took their lumps. Look, they got you know they got uh, they got out rebounded by a pretty healthy margin, right? They were having to foul quite a bit early in that second half to keep up, but they settled in. They didn't shoot the ball particularly well. Uh, just. from three. And Tommy, if I told you that KU would shoot 15% from three and win that game against Duke, we, I mean, you'd have called me crazy. Well, we talked about it yesterday. What happens 
with this team when the shots go cold. And there was a stretch in the second half where the shots absolutely went cold. Um, it was kind of ugly to watch for both teams shooting from long distance. Duke was only 14% uh, from three. So, yeah, it was not a good shooting night for either team. Um, and I think that the fact that Kansas struggles in the post, that was kind of exposed a little bit with Duke being able to win the rebounding battle. Uh, and then, really, there wasn't a whole lot of offensive production uh, from the bigs either. And that's been the big question also is how, how, does, how does Kansas compensate for that? When they don't have the true size in the post, how are they going to be able to compensate for that? Uh, they hung in there. I think Jalen Wilson, um, I mean, clearly took the game over, uh, but probably took more shots than you would be comfortable with him taking uh, night in and night out. But that's what the Jayhawks needed to win the game. There was a stretch in the second half, Jacob, where the Jayhawks were stuck on, I think, 54 points for like five minutes and couldn't get anything to go. Uh, and then Grady Dick showed up. He didn't take a single shot in the second half until about two minutes to go. Scored seven quick points in a row to get Kansas back into it. Uh, but credit to Duke, they really, I mean, their game plan was to try to do the best they could to take away Grady Dick and force Jalen Wilson to beat the team uh, and then really use their size as an advantage. Look, Jalen Wilson, and that'll be a losing strategy for teams this year. Jalen Wilson is going to be the guy, right? He looks fantastic this year. He looks fearless this year. He just kept taking it to the paint despite Duke's size. He's rebounding at a high clip, with just which just comes with experience, right? That's That's not a size thing. He just knows what he's doing down there. He looks great, and I would suspect the way that he's creating right now, he's going to look great most nights. Uh, does he, you know, does he do what Ochai did last year as a scorer? I don't think he needs to, so I would guess probably not because I don't think it's necessary. I think Grady Dick will be the most exciting and explosive player on this team, but I think defenses, if they don't stop Jalen Wilson, they're going to have a hard time. They did stop Grady Dick, and by the way, credit to Norm Roberts, I thought he got Dick off the floor at the right time. Uh, because it wasn't, it just, like, from what we'd seen so far, that it was just a little bit off for Dick, brings him back at the right time, boom, there's the explosiveness that we've seen. He makes three or four big plays in a row, which, of course, he's capable of doing, and it spurred KU's way. That, that was a well-coached game. Let's not take any, uh, you know, with Bill Self not there, I think that's an important piece of this. But they didn't shoot the ball well, and they beat one of the biggest teams in the country. I just can't emphasize how excited that gets me about the prospects of their season. I, I I mean, they're a national contender, which we we thought that they could be. It's hard to know that when you lose as much as they lost, but they're going to be. And and I think the expectation level for, you know, the fans and the program probably needs to elevate to this point. They they got and by the way, they got some pretty good play. You know, Zuby Edge of four who we hadn't really seen, I thought was he didn't look overmatched out there by any means. I'm not sure that he doesn't look better than you day right now. Um, maybe. And I love KJ Adams. You know, it's funny. We'll obviously pay so much attention to Grady Dick because he's a superstar and he's local. Uh, Jalen Wilson and Dewan Harris are clear leaders of this team. Man, KJ Adams might be my favorite player to watch. I just love his game and his energy. Uh, he reminds me a lot of the things that Jamari Trailer. Uh, did for this team back in the day where it's just energy all the time blocks whatever it is yeah I think he brings that it, it was a good and they didn't play a great game 
you know, offensively. And yet we feel like, as you watch it, and I think most people do, oh, God, this team got a chance to be really, really good because they, they're not going to be reliant on one guy. I think that they're going to be able to attack in a lot of different ways. And, man, if it's Jalen Wilson and Dewan Harris's team, you feel good about that. Dewan Harris, 23, tur- 23 assists to one turnover through three games. You kidding me? Old school basketball fans, you got yourselves a true point guard here. He doesn't score. Who cares? He's as good a distributor as we've seen in a long time. And he's making big-time defensive plays, Tom. He did several times last night where he was making defensive plays. He was a presence on both ends. And and I do think, as he's been somewhat overlooked to KU's success over the last couple of years, he's not going to be this year. And I think the country's going to fall in love with him because of the way he plays the game. Yeah, I don't care if Jalen Wilson scored a career high of 25 points. I don't care if Grady Dick took the game over and scored seven points down the stretch. Kansas doesn't win that game without Dewan Harris and the no play chance. at the point guard position. There's just not, there's, there's no other way to put it. I mean, he facilitated so great and gave his guys opportunities to, to score and held onto the ball, didn't turn it over. Um, he He's a special point guard and I love the development from when he came into the program to now, the confidence he has, the energy that he brings to the table. Um, he's absolutely essential in that position for Kansas. I thought Bobby Pettiford had some good minutes, too, to, to kind of spell Dewan Harris in that game. Uh, but, yeah, it, you know, it's Dewan Harris's team to lead as far as the point guard is concerned. Uh, he played great. As far as the bigs, you mentioned Norm Roberts and what he did uh, taking Grady Dick out of the game. I thought that was smart, but I think the smartest thing that Norm Roberts did was put in Zuby Ejiofor, uh because Ernest Duday looked overwhelmed out there. Uh, and then K.J. Adams was giving up quite a bit of size. He was giving up like four or five inches uh, to Duke's bigs, and he got into foul trouble. So uh, having Ejiofor out there, I mean, it was kind of out of necessity. They didn't have Zach Clements. Uh, so they had to have another option in the post. And I thought Edge of Four responded really well. Uh, that was in the second half, and, and there was those were really important minutes that Edge of Four had. So that gives me a little bit more confidence as far as what Kansas has behind K.J. Adams at the five and what they can look at. Even if you know Uday is having an off night, which he did last night, he's still pretty raw. The development is still there. At least they've got some other options to go to. And they didn't have M.J. Rice last night either, and we had seen yeah. him look he was sick we'd seen him flash big time in that second game um so you know a a hobbled to some degree KU team that does not shoot the ball particularly well from the three-point line got to the free throw line almost never and they still find a way to team to beat a team that presents the challenges that we expected to be the biggest challenges and they may still be for KU this year that I I think that and it's early but I think that we can look back later two months from now at this win and really pull from it because I would suspect that you know Duke had in mind doing all those things right like we have to limit their ability to shoot from the outside Uh, let's really dominate the boards here and, you know, free throws are unpredictable, but that was fairly predictable considering you were going to have undersized guys trying to guard seven-footers, that they were going to have to get real physical down there. All of those things probably were how Duke envisioned this game going if they were going to get the win and KU still won the game. I, I do think that that is a very encouraging and exciting thing to have happened, let alone these games are awesome no matter what happens. 
Michigan State and Kentucky was great before. That's why KU's game went on so late is because they went to double overtime. I mean, it's so much fun to watch these teams. These teams are all going to be so much different in March. It's the beauty of the 64-team tournament because you can play these games now for these programs, and it's not going to matter later. It prepares them. You get great early season matchups. You get the holiday tournaments. You get all these things that are really, really fun about college basketball. And as rosters turn over so much, you get your first looks at what these teams might be. Let's talk about Duke for a second as a national contender. Hard to imagine they won't be with the unique nature of their roster. They're still missing, right? They're still missing, I think, one of the best, if not the top recruit in the class. So they've got more coming, too. Um, yeah, Derek Whitehead uh, has a foot fracture, so he, he, he didn't play. Yeah, so they're, they're without him. And so they've got that. Mark Mitchell looks good. You could see it at times last night. It was fun to watch he and Grady Dick face off, the former teammates at Sunrise. Uh, but you can see why he was a highly touted recruit, uh, five-star guy. He's really good. How about Filipowski? And, oh, my God. 17 yeah. points, 14 boards. I mean, he took the game over at, at times. And he's got, he's got different kinds of skills that make him yeah. a really interesting player. Um, he, he can handle the ball. He was at the, you know, he, he's going to be, he's going to be probably in the conversation to be an All-American. Um, I mean, KU's got a, got three guys, I think, that are going to enter the conversation as All-Americans in Wilson, certainly, in Grady Dick, certainly. And I think, I really do think people are going to fall in love with the way Dewan Harris plays basketball. Um, we don't see it very often at all anymore. Just a true distributing point guard that gets it done on both ends. But I, I, I think, I mean, you could see it last night. Just look at the chatter and the and the real college basketball junkies that were raving about what they saw from like, holy cow, that was awesome. Like, if you love basketball, you love that. And so I do think that he he's going to garner a little attention too. He'll certainly be all conference, but. I think that you know he'll he'll enter that conversation. Maybe we'll see what kind of scores come out of that position because that'll always change it. It's just fun, man. It's fun, and and it would have been fun. I would have been just as excited if the last few minutes didn't go that way when Grady Dick took it over. The fact that it did obviously makes it better for us here. But either way, that kind of a game that went sideways strategically on KU, they were in it the whole time, and then they find a way to win on the shoulders of a young guy that we particularly care about making a few explosive plays. is just fantastic. Yeah. I mean, if, if you didn't watch the game and I just gave you the stat line for Kansas and didn't give you the final score, um, it might be difficult for you to say with certainty. Yeah. Kansas won that game. Uh, oh, because I just said the they stats, had no chance. Right, I just the said stats, they had no chance. The stats ultimately didn't look great. I mean, of course, they got out-rebounded by 11 and found a way to win. They didn't shoot the ball particularly well. They got out to that early lead, which was good, but then Duke was able to claw their way back to within four at halftime and then uh, go up by five at one point in the second half. Uh, but I think really what what the key was for Kansas, even though they got out-rebounded and that lack of the the size advantage was was pretty evident, Kansas moved really fast. I mean, they they were able to swarm defensively. I loved the intensity throughout the game on the defensive side of the court uh, for multiple guys, including Grady Dick. 
And then the blocks, oh my goodness, like that was, they didn't rebound particularly well, but they got multiple, I mean, 13 block shots on the game for the Jayhawks. And that one stretch where they had back-to-back blocks on Duke on the fast break, that was incredible also to watch. Dewan Harris had one of them. I think Jalen Wilson had the other one, uh, but it was, that was incredible to watch also. So I think that when you look at the overall takeaways from this game, I mean, that is as high level of a win for Kansas in the month of November that you can possibly ask for. Uh, And it tells you a lot about this team. You asked the question yesterday, what can we glean from uh, a game against Duke in November? I think there is quite a bit that you can take away from this to kind of show, yeah, I mean, I think the Jayhawks in some cases are who we thought they were as far as their explosiveness and their athleticism and all of that. Um, But I really believe that the questions, I mean, you mentioned the the concern about the lack of size and, and the lack of production in the post. That doesn't go away. It, that's going to continue. But at least we know the Jayhawks can at least overcome that uh, with individual performances and when they do some of those things really well. Yeah, you know, I, they defended it well, I thought. Yeah. I, I don't, that, they're, it's, you're not, when you're outsized that much, and they won't be outsized that much all the time. Duke's unique. But when you're outsized that much, it's going to be, near impossible to win the rebounding battle, right? You're probably just not going to do that. But you can do some of the things that KU did do. And I'll say this about KU. I'll bet you right now on November 16th at 9.18 a.m., I'll bet you right now that KU does not shoot that poorly from three again the rest of the season. That'll be the worst game they have shooting the three. I'll I'll make that bet right now. 15%. I'll also be willing to bet you that four free throws is the fewest free throws they ever make in a game the rest of the year. So those two things right there are what give me so much hope. Four of set, I mean, they were out shot. Duke had nine more points from the free throw line. KU shot seven free throws. They made four. That's not going to happen again. They're not going to shoot 15% from three again. So just think about that offensively in the way that they were able to limit a team that clearly outsized them. How could you not be over the moon excited about the possibilities for KU basketball this year? And we absolutely know when it comes to Jalen Wilson that he is, I mean, you, you said it before, the guy. He's the guy, right? He's the leader of the team. Um, and, and yeah, he, he shot the ball more than you would want him to. Um, I think he tied Sharon Collins for the most shot attempts in a game since like the 80s or something like that for the Jayhawks. They had to Uh, have it. They had to have it. I mean, there wasn't any other option because everything had kind of dried up in the second half. Um, So I think, and you're not going to see that throughout the season either. So yeah, the the three-pointers, that percentage is probably going to be, we've probably hit the bottom as far as that's concerned. That's not going to happen again. Same thing with free throws. You're probably not going to see Jalen Wilson take, what did he take, like 28 shots in that game? 26. Probably not Seven gonna, of 26. them were threes, though. I mean, the thing for Jalen Wilson I thought that was interesting, he'd have been 11 for 19 on two-point field goals, right? It was the 0 for 7 from three that's throwing that number a little bit. So in his other in the other aspect of his offense, I thought he was really efficient. I mean, 11 for 19, you'll take that every day. And I, I think that Duke is – a good enough team with enough talent. I know that they, they're ranked seventh right now. They're really young. John Shire is, you know, figuring things out as the head yeah, coach of awesome. the Blue Devils. 
But when February and March comes around, you're going to look back on that game and say that was one of the most quality wins that you could probably ever have. Um, because I think it gets it gets the Jayhawks battle-tested and ready as we get into the multi-team events and then eventually into the conference play. Uh, that's high-level basketball, and that was a really important win. Well, think about the conversations, and we'll get with Brian Haney in, in our next segment. We'll track him down. Hopefully he's not traveling right now. Um, think about the conversations you can have if you're Bill Self. And, like, look, guys, our deficiencies were on display last night. Like, they were very much exploited by Duke. But but you still found a way to win that game. That's what you have to take away. I would imagine that this is a very, um, at, well, as festive as a great college basketball coach will let it be, conversation in the locker room, because what a perfect opportunity to get on film, show some things. They exploited us and where we have to improve, and we found a way to win it anyway. You can really, I mean, the two senior, the two, uh, I call them seniors, the two essential seniors of this team, right? The unquestioned leaders in Wilson and, and Harris knew exactly what had to happen in that game, and they got it done. And and that's important to have that too because that's what Duke doesn't have, right? The difference in KU and Duke right now is they don't have two upperclassmen like that. I mean, they have some good upperclassmen players, but not like that that can just say, here's how this is going to have to go. Hey, hey, Wando, like we got to take this over right now. Like let's let's lift these other guys up and and put them on our back and go. And I mean, what does Jalen Wilson have to lose? He he's yeah. over seven from three. He doesn't care. He just keep firing away about, because he has to. Right. Think about the number of guys that Kansas lost last year that led the team: Ochai Baji, Christian Brown, Remy Martin, David McCormick. Then you've got two other guys. So those two guys were leaders. But you've got Wilson and Harris now that are sliding into that role, and it looks it looks flawless. It looks like it wasn't. It's not a big deal. Like yeah, it's our team now. Let's go out and and get the job done. How many college basketball teams get exploited, their weaknesses exposed, and lose a basketball game? Uh, A lot of them do. Happens all the time, especially when you play a team like Duke. Right? Happens all the time. Kansas had those weaknesses kind of exposed a little bit and found a way to win. That's been my biggest question early on in the season is how do they find a way to respond and who do they go to to win a basketball game? They answered those questions. Kevin McCuller was – we haven't mentioned him, and we'll we'll take a break. Kevin McCuller was really, really good and clutch in some spots, and I think, I think he's going to get more comfortable and have an expanded role and enter right into that leadership spot with the other two we just talked about all the pressures off these young superstars that KU also has. It's just, it feels like it's going to be a really nice mix and blend for KU basketball this year. Are we overly optimistic? I don't think we are. I think this is going to be a team that nears or is at the top of the rankings all year. I think it's a 30-win type team. I think it's a one seed in the NCAA tournament. I think all those things. And I think they proved a whole, whole lot last night. Let's see what Brian Haney thought. He had the call right here on KFH. We'll do that next on Sports Daily. Let's go now to the voice of KU, Brian Haney. All right, welcome back, everybody. Jacob Albrock, Tommy Caster, joined by Brian Haney, the aforementioned there. We spent our first segment talking about KU basketball, so this week let's start with basketball, and then we can get into some football. Brian, in a game where KU was 
out-rebounded by a healthy margin, only made four free throws and shot 15% from three against Duke. If I told you that going in and KU would also be able to win, you might call me crazy, but they got it done in Indianapolis yesterday. What a win. Yeah, no doubt. A lot of things uh, on the stat sheet would tell you they should have lost this game, but saw a lot of heart and grit and toughness to, to grind out a 15-5 run in the last four and a half minutes. Saw a freshman who had, you know, not gone into the deep freeze. He just kind of disappeared. It's not like Brady Dick was struggling, missing a ton of shots or anything. He just kind of went away, and all of a sudden the switches flipped, and, and he scores seven straight points for Kansas. And uh, starting with a huge three that we had to have because we couldn't throw it in the ocean from beyond the arc last night. And uh, he delivers and then gets an alley-oop and then gets an unbelievable acrobatic flip, the third acrobatic finish he'd had on the game. And uh, it was amazing to see that. And that's, you know, many times when we go to these Champions Classics, whether it's in the Garden or Indianapolis or Chicago, you see these high-flying McDonald's All-American freshmen playing on a big stage with – 20 or 30 NBA scouts in attendance, Jason Tatum sitting in the front row. And, and you, you wonder, will they put on a show? Will they rise to the occasion? Will they be as good as advertised? Like Quentin Grimes was when he hit six threes in that same building you know, four years ago in his debut. Uh, or will, uh, you know, will, will the lights in the stage be a little bit too bright or big? And, you know, Grady, obviously made it happen late, even though it wasn't quite the game throughout that he was probably hoping to have. Filipowski had probably the best game of any freshman in that one, but Grady stole the show late. And obviously Jalen Wilson has a career high with 25. The area of his game that he worked the hardest on to prove to NBA scouts that he was much better at did not show up last night. He was 0 of 7 from 3. But all the other things that you love about Jalen – uh, you know, the plays he makes in driving the ball downhill, the finishes at the rim, the, the rebounding, all of that was certainly there. And uh, he turns in his 18th career double-double. DeJuan Harris was who we thought he'd be. You know, 10 assists, made some huge plays, uh, you know, down the stretch of this game on the other end of the floor that, that uh, you know, the winning-type plays have become synonymous with his career. And K.J. Adams has a career high. I mean, there were a lot of guys that, could walk out of there saying, you know what, might not have always been pretty. Uh, and, and there were times when it was just pretty ugly, quite frankly, with the turnovers and, and, and some of the, the stagnants on both sides. With, uh, I think at one point, you know, they had the same number of turnovers, 15 on each side. And Duke finished with 18, by the way. And they were both two of 16 from three. And you're thinking, this is really you know, the two blue bloods? But that's typically the case in some of these early season games when you have so many new pieces you're mixing in. Because uh, there's athleticism on both sides. So it's going to be you know, shots being contested and good defense, but there isn't always going to be finishes. And that's what we saw. But my, oh, my, did Kansas ever find a way to save its best for last? And I'll tell you what, we had a blast calling it, even if it was uh, you know, one in the morning where we were at uh, on Easter time zone. Yeah, that's as good of a win in November as the Jayhawks could ask for. Jalen Wilson, at least for a few minutes, was on triple-double watch. As you mentioned, finished with a double-double, 25 points, 11 rebounds, 5 assists. Probably shot the ball a little bit more than what uh, we would want him to shoot the ball game in and game out. But the Jayhawks needed him to do that. They don't win uh, without him, and they also don't win without Dewan Harris uh, with those 10 assists. Talk a little bit about the, the upperclassmen, uh, the leaders on this team, and what they brought to the table. Yeah, that's a good point about the shots. You know, I think that uh, 
it's still TBD on what MJ Rice's role is going to be. But obviously, if he's playing last night, there's you know five or six shots that Jalen doesn't take, and 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 maybe more. Um, it'll only seem MJ for one game at this point, so I really don't know what kind of carved out role he's going to have. But with Kansas shorthanded and with some guys maybe deferring a little bit because of the stage and, and, you know, finding your footing against a top 10 team after facing two summit league teams, the first couple of ball games, Jalen was more than happy to be the alpha that said, okay, I'll step up and take it. And so, yeah, I, I would agree that, uh, you know, you're not going to see him shoot 26 shots uh, you know, many more times this season. And it's probably not an ideal number necessarily, especially if he's going to go over seven for three. But um, this is a guy that had been a lights-out shooter in the preseason to the point where the coaching staff had kind of stopped and marveled at just how much better he was shooting the ball from a guy that was only a 26% three-point shooter a year ago. So I think in last night's case, when you're shorthanded, Kevin McCuller got in a little bit of foul trouble, uh, and you've got some other guys that are maybe just a little green uh, in terms of you know stepping up and, and taking over. Kansas was okay with him hoisting as many as he did. But, uh, man, it, it was great to see the winning plays he made down the stretch. And it's those two free throws to ice it, just calm and collected. I thought that was awesome. And then, yeah, DeWan Harris, you know, we, we talked about the 10 assists and some of the winning plays he made late. I mean, how about 10 assists, one turnover. You know, he ended the game, I think it was 13-0 on the assist turnover ratio on the season. 10 assists, one turnover in a setting like that trying to track around a guy all night as good as, as Roach was. And so I thought he did a tremendous job too. And he's one of those guys that I know we say it every time, but it's starting to become like a broken record that he does all the little things and he makes winning plays and you know does things that don't show up in the box score. But man, is it true? Because when you look at him, he's not much to look at. He's, he's 170 pounds, soaking wet, wiry, thin, you know, seems, seems like, you know, the wind could blow him over. And yet he's always in position. I remember last night he drew a charge and he was celebrating the charge with both arms pointed to the heavens as his deck, as his seat was hitting the deck. Like he already knew he was going to get the whistle. And, and it's just stuff like that when you've done it as well as he's done it for as long as he's done it, where he knew he had it. He knew he had them beats and, and he was going to get that charge drawn. And, and that's the type of stuff that just makes Bill Self gush about this guy. And I hope makes Kansas fans appreciate him for all that he is, even though he's not going to ever be the, uh, you know, hyped guard scorer or shot maker or whatever that some of his previous Kansas greats have been. But, man, when you talk about a guy who makes winning plays as good as any, it's Juan. And and we clearly saw that last night. I think that, you know, when you you see a 15-5 closeout, there's there's no doubt that the fact that we had, you know, some some fourth- and fifth-year guys on the floor – including Kevin McCuller and, and, and Jalen Wilson, and then obviously Dewan, uh, a guy who's been in the mix strongly for three years now. Um, I think that made a big difference because Duke had one returning veteran, a couple transfer veterans, but uh, they're pretty young and, and, and pretty uh, you know, short and tooth beyond that. And I think clearly that was a huge factor down the stretch. I want to ask you one more basketball question real quick, and – Zuby Ejiofor, does he enter the conversation now uh, after what we saw yesterday? Because he wasn't really on the radar, at least for me. But I, I thought he gave them big minutes in a spot where they're going to need help this year. He didn't look overmatched against a team that probably presents as good a bigs as the Kansas will see this year. 
uh, is now that freshman entering the conversation for meaningful minutes here. Yeah, and, and I think that he was probably more in it than most fans realize. Because we talked about this on some previous reports that during the preseason, you know, for one week you might think Ernest is out in front, and then here comes Zuby. Or in some weeks' cases, it was like every other day with these guys, where one guy would have the hot hand one day and, and the other the next. All throughout, we felt like Ernest had the higher ceiling. Um, he, he's a little bit longer, seven four wingspan, and. You know, at Kansas, where we love to have dribble drives and then lobs thrown after the defense sucks toward the guard, you throw it high, and Yudoka Azabuki rocks that rim. You know, it was looking like Ernest is going to be the most logical fit for a rim-running, dunk-throwing, you know, finisher, and he still is. That doesn't change. But uh, but Zuby, even though he's not quite, uh, in terms of projectability, the same prospect that Ernest is, uh, this kid, he plays with a motor now, and, and he goes all out. And I think he did some things last night in his minutes that Ernest wasn't giving Kansas in the opportunities he was given, which is why you didn't see Ernest down the stretch. Um, Ernest did have four blocks, and, and let's give him credit for that, but one rebound. And, and that's why he saw a ton of minutes down the stretch go to the edge of four because we were getting killed on the glass, and, and uh, Zuby comes up with, with five boards. And so, yeah, I, I think he's definitely trending upward, no doubt. He has some of those intangibles that are Bill Self, you know, staple type things from his players when it comes to hard nose grit and toughness and, and all-out effort. And so, yeah, I, I'm sure the Hall of Fame head coach watching on TV was thinking, man, this, this guy's going to be great for us eventually, and we got to feed him a little bit more in terms of the minutes. So I do have one more basketball question before we switch over uh, to football, Brian. Uh, so – Kind of following up on that a little bit with the with the bigs, of course Kansas loses the rebound battle. Uh, they give up you know several inches when KJ Adams is on the court uh, to the big guys that Duke has. And Kyle Filipowski had a really good game for the Blue Devils uh, as a true freshman. Moving forward, I, I know we've got Zuby. There's also Ernest Uday. All of that. Is there another way though in your mind that Kansas can compensate for the fact that? You know, they they lose a little bit of size when K.J. Adams is on the court, uh, because once you get into Big 12 play, I mean, we're going to see a lot more players that have that length, have that size. Uh, and of course, you know, Kansas shoots the ball pretty well for the most part, so they can compensate in that way. But in your mind, is that is that an issue moving forward or is that something that because the Jayhawks were able to overcome that last night against Duke that you think that they can do that moving forward? You know, I think they can overcome it in most cases. And I think the coaching staff and the players alike would tell you that, you know, sometimes the way to beat long is to beat them by being quick and fast. And the fact that for years now, we've deployed a lot of six, eight wings. Think back to Steve McKayluke, for example. And now you got Grady Dick. And it, it may be one of those deals where, um, with, with Jalen Wilson being a good rebounder, with you know Grady Dick's ability to, to be long and, and hopefully get in there and mix up a little bit more, uh, that you can overcome the fact that you're not starting twin towers like you know, we've seen. And, and you know we talked about the size last week of the Bison, six ten and six eleven, and, and that wasn't a factor at all because Kansas athletically was was you know clearly a much superior team. And so I think there might be one or two opponents over the course of the year where it concerns you a little bit. And there were times last night when Duke was on its run where the athleticism and the length clearly was taking over. But I think by the time we run into other foes like that, 
Um, you know, Zuby and, and, and Ernest are going to be a little bit more polished. I think if, if I have one disappointment, I don't say this as a criticism at all, but I, you hoped Zach Clements would be farther along. I don't know that he made a huge jump. You know, Roy Williams always used to say the biggest development or improvement in a player's game in his entire college career should come in the summer between his freshman and sophomore seasons. Physically, he doesn't look that much different. And obviously, you know, he took a shot to the nose and face on Thursday last week that had him out and, and uh, you know, didn't even make the trip. So that's, that's why you didn't see him last night. But I think we thought we'd have more there, and so there'd be more options for Kansas in the post. But clearly the highest ceiling of any of these guys we're talking about are with the two freshmen. And then KJ, he can do other things for you, and we saw that last night. So I don't worry about it a ton right now, and my hope is that by the time we possibly run into Duke again, if we're lucky enough to face him at the end of the road, uh, you know, Ernest Uday is a much more polished, proven, and, and confident player. And, and guys like Zuby have been charging hard the whole season, too. All right, let's let's uh, let's spend just a little time on football here and maybe just look ahead to Texas. Uh, the Longhorns coming off a disappointing loss. KU coming off a disappointing loss. We know the history between these two schools. Uh, a chance for KU to do some favors for K-State, perhaps, ahead of the Sunflower Showdown. What do you see in this one? And with the defensive woes we've seen, Bijan Robinson is a scary proposition, but give us a, give us a Cliff Notes version of your thoughts on this game because I don't really know what to think of it. Well, B. John Robinson's the best running back in the Big 12 and, and one of the best in all college football. And I'm going to try to dive into the film today on how in the heck TCU bottled him up to just 29 yards and 2.4 yards per carry. My head's obviously been in basketball and we got in at 4 a.m. So we'll uh, we'll look into that a little bit more later today. But but that is a concern. You're spot on, and Jacob, I I think that you know that's probably concern number one. But they've got a couple of great backs, and and uh, obviously you, you want to make it a tough day for yours. Who you know it's it's amazing that, that Texas you know has continued in recent seasons to try to find the answer at quarterback and. And they get all these highly touted guys. And, and last year, Kansas won that game in part because they preyed on a quarterback that, that was probably not ready for, for the big show. And, and Ewers has been better, but you're still going to see him you know, make some, some young guy mistakes back there. And you know, we'll see how long this job is his, even though he's highly touted when you've got you know, big-time guys coming in behind him like uh, the latest Manning. So I, I think that uh, Kansas would love to rattle the cage of, of the youthful quarterback. I think they'd love to maybe put one more in the box and see what they can do in, in stopping Robinson and forcing Ewers to beat him with his arm. But uh, regardless of how that goes, obviously for me, I, I think the, the greater fan attention this week and, and maybe us in the media will be on the KU offense. And, and what does it look like? Who's the signal caller back there? Uh, is is Jalen Daniels ready to make his return? Do they showcase a couple of guys when he comes back and, and play him and Bean together? I don't think Lance Leipold is going to tip his cap on any of this stuff, but I definitely tune into Hawk Talk tonight and see if you can get some kind of snippet of something because uh, that to me is going to be as interesting as anything. Because Jason Bean, you know, he came out of the game late. He, he has taken a couple of shots to the midsection the last couple of games, and that was supposedly a factor in why he was removed. But I also think that. The coaching staff, you know, was a little bit disappointed with some of the mistakes he'd made in that game. And as brilliant as he's been at times in filling in for Jalen, if Jalen's ready, 
this is still his team to come back and seize the reins. And so that's something I'll be looking for. And as much as we talk about Bijan, hey, Devin Neal had four touchdowns against these guys a year ago, and, and he's had a whale of a season too. And you look at Devin Neal's last two weeks, and, and you can see a guy that, that's you know, closing in, not that he's going to close the gap on Bijan entirely, but, uh, but he, to me, he looks like, you know, second or third best running back in the league the way he's been playing these last two weeks, and, and, and maybe third is more accurate. But he's kind of on that second-team all-Big 12 line the way he's been charging. So I'm excited to watch offensive personnel really on both sides. And I'm also excited to see Texas come up here a little bit fired up, knowing that they have a score to settle and see how our Jayhawks handle that as the team that had the historic upset last season and uh, really made life tough on Sark in his first year. Brian, one more quick question about football this weekend with Texas. A week ago against Texas Tech, we did see Ethan Vasco uh, late in the game. We've heard really good things about Vasco and his development in the program. If Jason Bean is injured and can't go and Jalen Daniels is not ready, do you think there's a chance we see Ethan Vasco on Saturday? I'd be surprised. You know, he, he moved the chains relatively well, but that was still a situation where – I don't know, man. I, you know, what was it a hundred percent an injury or was the coaching staff just ready to, to see something else after we saw a couple of really costly Jason Bean mistakes? I don't know. I, I think that Bean gives you your best chance to win if Jalen Daniels isn't healthy, but uh, you know, a Jalen Daniels that's close to a hundred percent gives you your best chance to win over anybody. Uh, because I think what we've seen with Jason is as dynamic as he is with his feet and a, as good of a deep ball thrower as he is, we've talked about this for the last month. I mean, he's, he's good for one or two plays a half that, that sometimes are the types of plays that can get you beat, and, and we saw that last week. And so I think, uh, you know, if, if Jalen is close, this has kind of been the week they've been eyeing all along. So hopefully he's got a chance. If not, I think Jason Bean finds a way to, to get healthy enough to be out there. I really don't think – uh, anybody in that quarterback room, whether it's the head coach, Jim Zabrowski, the quarterback coach, or any of the personnel, uh, you know, w- would think it's optimal to head into it with a true freshman who's only taken a handful of snaps in what is, you know, one of your biggest games of the season every year. So I, I think I-, I would look to Jalen before I'd-, I'd look to Vasco, and that's not to, you know, dismiss any upside that Ethan may have. It's just the reality that hey, man, we've only seen him for five minutes, and, and this is Texas who's out for revenge. And so I, I think Jason's midsection or, or Jalen, uh, you know, with, with the shoulder, I, I think they'll all be feeling a little bit better come Saturday, and I'd be surprised if we were in that spot. But, hey, if injury happened in the game, at least now he's had some game wraps, uh, wraps to fall back on and, and won't be thrown into the fire entirely if, if injuries were, were to force him into this one. All right, Brian Annie got Hawk Talk tonight, 6 o'clock right here on KFH. Uh, make sure you tune into that, Jayhawk fans. Maybe Coach Leipold will give us a little more insight on that quarterback spot. Brian, we appreciate it. I know it was a late night, so thanks for waking up and uh, making some time for us this morning. Of course, late night, but good to get back home in my own bed for the Mattress Hub. Have that purple mattress, the new mattress technology. It's not only but it's also the coolest night's sleep in terms of temperature and body heat you could possibly have. So check them out today at the Mattress Hub and mattresshub.com website. Appreciate you guys for having me on each week. And, man, these reports just get more and more fun, man. We talk about 
getting bowl eligible. Then we talk about beating Duke and we gained another game on Kentucky. Yeah, we're still paying attention to that. Hawks now up five in the all-time wins lead. And so it's a good year to be a Jayhawk, and I appreciate you guys letting us talk about it each week here in Michita. We appreciate it, too. There goes Brian Haney, voice of the Kansas Jayhawks. We'll take a quick break. We'll come back. We'll give away some things on Sports Daily. Make some midweek magic with Light the Lamp Wednesdays at BetMGM, an official sports betting partner of the NHL. Place a $25 wager on any NHL player to score a goal on Wednesday, and you'll automatically receive $2 in free bets for every goal scored in the game, up to $16 in free bets. Just log into your account or download the app and sign up with BetMGM to get started. Then opt in to the Light the Lamp Wednesdays promotion to receive a $2 free bet for every goal scored in the game, regardless of your prop bet's outcome. Take your shot every Wednesday at BetMGM. Visit BetMGM.com for terms and conditions. 21 years of age or older to wager and physically present in Kansas to bet. New and existing customer offer. All promotions subject to qualification and eligibility requirements. Rewards issued as non-withdrawable free bets or site credit. Free bets expire seven days from issuance. Please gamble responsibly. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-522-4700 in partnership with Kansas Crossing Casino and Hotel. Welcome back, everybody, to Sports Daily. Uh, our thanks to Brian Haney for spending some time with us. A lot to get through as KU beats Duke last night on the hardwood and gets ready for Texas on the gridiron. If you missed any of that conversation, you can go to kfhradio.com. Just a couple minutes here, Tommy, before we turn the page to the next hour, we'll talk a uh, little K-State football as we get a quarterback announcement. We'll talk about the Royals' new plans for a ballpark. Uh, let's spend our last couple of minutes here, Tommy, and give something away here. Uh, let's go Thunder tickets and HTO free tea card. So which tickets are we giving away, Tommy? Yeah, we're going to give you a four-pack of tickets to the game next Saturday night, the Saturday after Thanksgiving. Interest Bank Arena, a four-pack. The Thunder play the Tulsa Oilers at 7.05 p.m. It's also, Jacob... Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles oh, night at the Thunder game. So that should be a lot of fun. Here we go. You got some family in town for the holiday. You need some time to kill. Sick of sitting around the table. Take them to a hockey game next Saturday. So we'll do that four-pack. We'll also give you a free iced tea card at HTO Open West. Hopefully opening very soon east. If you're an east sider, you'll be able to use that card over there soon too. Uh, we'll do that right now for our let's do second caller during the break here. 869-1240. Enjoy that on us here at Sports Daily. We'll come back next hour. Quarterback news at K-State. We'll talk about it. Now with the MLB app, you can get baseball your way. Pick your favorite team, your favorite players, and get customized highlights, stories, and breaking news right on your home feed. Follow the action with Game Tip, where 3D replays add another dimension. Plus, notifications can keep you connected to every pitch, every hit, every game. The MLB app. Baseball, your way. Download it now for free from the App Store or Google Play. Blackout and other restrictions apply. Major League Baseball trade parts used with permission.